Oh, Lord, it is so grateful, wonderful thing for us to be together here on this, at this time of year and together on this, your day, that's set aside for us to rest in you, to hear from your word a new reality, a new truth that we each can apply. I ask that as this word is brought forth, that you would truly think our thoughts, that my words would be yours, that you would bend our wills to your own and you would take every single one of our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned at the welcome, it's a wonderful time of year uh, for us Anglicans. We're going into our traditions, right? You know, today is our Harvest Sunday or Stewardship Sunday where we will take the harvest basket after we make our pledges and offer our lives to the Lord as we walk out of 2017 into 2018. It's, it's very intentional the way I do it, my friends, because this is what my rector did as a young man uh, in a church of 3,000. You know, we all did the same thing. We all came forward. We offered our lives and our time, talent, and treasure, and we all sang the doxology together. You know, as we lifted up our lives to the Lord. It's a wonderful time of year to just take an evaluation. And Lord, what would you have for me? Next week is Thanksgiving Sunday. If I have to remind you that it's Thanksgiving around the corner. And it's just a wonderful time of year where we're going to really focus on just giving thanks. Today we're going to do the Thanksgiving litany, but we're also going to have some prayer time. But the reality is next week alone, we're just going to be a thankful people. And the week after that is Christ the King Sunday, where we focus on Jesus' reign today in our lives and forevermore. And that's it. Pentecost is over, because guess what happens December 3rd? Advent. It'll be here before we know it. And the Sherman household, it's even more crazy, as you probably know. We really look forward to Ben and Amy's wedding on the 25th. You are all invited. We would love to have you at Bay Presbyterian on that day, so please consider coming if you're able to come. We'd love for you to join us in that occasion. And so not only is Thanksgiving, but we're having extra family come in. So George and Rebecca are flying in next Sunday. They won't be with us Sunday morning, but they're flying in Sunday afternoon. Uh, Zach and Mary are coming in Wednesday. Uh, on Tuesday, George, my, my son-in-law, and my nephew Caleb is flying in from Boston where he's attending Gordon College. And we're going to go join DT at the Kent Akron football game. Looking forward to that. And then everybody's going to be together on Wednesday as the men's family from Raleigh, North Carolina, is going to be joining us for Thanksgiving and the wedding. My brother-in-law, affectionately nicknamed Super Johnny, is uh, he's the rector of Holy Cross Anglican in Raleigh. And so I think, is Martin preaching at Holy Cross? Yeah, that's his, yeah, that's Johnny's problem, whoever's preaching back there. But the reality is, it's, it's, it just... You, you gather everybody together, and it just feels like you're home, right? And, and, and it's just a wonderful time of year as we work together. And it reminded me, and you probably heard the song in the table talk that I sent out this week. It was one of the very first songs I learned to play. I learned to play a little bit of Hank Williams, Johnny Cash on the guitar, and I learned John Denver's Back Home Again. And if those of you who are old John Denver fans will remember it, right? There's a storm across the valley, clouds are rolling in. 
The afternoon is heavy on your shoulders. And it keeps going, talking about a guy out on the road. He's a trucker, and he just can't wait to get back home again. And the tagline goes like this. There's a fire softly burning, supper's on the stove. And the light that's in her eyes that keeps you warm. Dum, dum, dum. Hey, it's good to be back home again. Bum, 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 bum. Sometimes this old farm feels like a long lost friend. Yes, and hey, it's good to be back home again. My mom would sit there and say, sing that. That back home again song you know, for me, and I'd play it for her, and she would just sing along. It was a wonderful memory. And so it begs the question, what makes a home? What makes a home a home? Is it the fire that's softly burning? Is it the supper that's on the stove? Is it the farm? Is it the brick and mortar? Is it the basset laying down by the warm fireplace who hasn't moved for days because of the fire? No, what really makes a home, all those things are wonderful and cool and delightful. What makes a home a home are the people that are within it. And so today, during Stewardship Sunday, our thoughts turn using Jesus' words in the parable of the talents that we want to make Christ Church a healthy home that's worth coming to for all people, especially those within it. I invite you to open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25, verse 14, where Jesus speaks of the parable of the talents. My favorite Anglican bishop, J.C. Ryle, says of this parable, the parable of the talents is very much like the, that of the ten virgins. Both direct our minds to the same important event, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I agree with that. Both bring before us the same people the members of the professing church of Christ. I also agree with that. The virgins and the servants are one of the same people, but the same people regarded from a different point and viewed on different sides. The practical lesson of each parable is the main point of difference. Vigilance is the keynote of the first parable, diligence that of the second. The story of the virgins calls on the church to watch. The story of the talents calls on the church to work. And so what we have in this parable today are two great truths as we walk into our Harvest Sunday. First, that God dispenses talents to all his people. And two, each and every one of his people are called to use them and are accountable for that use. One, God disbalanced talents to his people. And two, each and every one of his people is accountable for those talents in his kingdom. Let's look at those. Number one, God dispenses talents to his church. Verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The use of this word talent, although monetary here, Jesus is inferring not a stiff quality, but an elastic quality to the term. Let's remember that this is a parable. It's not a mathematical equation. So a talent can mean 
gifts of knowledge, health, strength, time, intellect, various uh, advantages, opportunities, various responsibilities, such as our jobs, our vocations. It, talent can mean people in our lives, our spouse, our chi- children, our friends, our brothers and our sisters, our siblings, and even further, our natural abilities as we normally think of the word, our talents. You are an excellent golfer, which cannot be said of yours truly. A talent can also mean or include spiritual gifts, as Peter and Paul typically write of them, such as the gift of teaching, the gift of administration, the gift of mercy, the gift of healing, the gift of helps and giving. So talents symbolize more than money, but not less than money. Jesus is not teaching economic theory here, but don't think he isn't teaching about economic truths. Money matters matter to Jesus. And it is the master's money, right, that we're dealing with here. So while we need not think the application of this parable to money matters, Let's not be so quick to expand talents to mean everything except our use of money. It was Jesus who said, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. Might we not expand upon that thought saying, how your money and your talents are used, there is your heart also. So to our Lord, the link between our heart check and our bank account is a short, straight line. So, now, before you you think about it, I'll spare you the sermon if only the majority of Western Christians tithe 10% of their income, much of the world poverty would be eradicated and millions more would hear the gospel. I will spare you that sermon. Such a statistic, while it is true, by the way, it is true, um, I find it too convicting, and I'd hate for anyone to feel convicted about the use of their money alone, because this is all of our lives we're talking about here today, ladies and gentlemen. Because the reality, according to this text, is that each and every person is given talents of time, talents in the way you're wired, talents in your financial resources, to be used for his glory. Apportioned out, different measures, but every single one of us have them. It was Carol Ball who reminded us last week, last year rather, in the women's uh, luncheon address, that when you walk in your talents, your giftings, it's a joy, all right? So before you think, take one step further and think, okay, here we go, I'm gonna have to teach Sunday school. I can guilt you into Sunday school. I have that talent. (laughs) All right? I I can bring forth Fox's Book of Martyrs and talk about how Thomas Cranmer, Nicholas Ridley, and Hugh Latimer died at the stake for the sake of the gospel. Can you not give to our kids? And some of you would come forward and you'd be awful. You would ruin some of our kids for life. Because you're not walking in your gifts and your talents. 
Because the reality is, when you truly, as Carol reminded us last year, walk in your talents, whatever God's gifted you, he's given you at least one. It's a joy. And God is glorified, no matter where you are. You know, people often say, well, you know, you can't expect more institutionally than 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, that whole 80-20 rule. And, And that might be true for institutions, but not for the church. Every single one of us are called to use our gifts. And when the church doesn't walk into healthiness in this way, it's like going home for Thanksgiving dinner and nobody helping mom clean up. All right? Ladies, you know what that feels like? Right. Are you happy about it? No, neither is our Heavenly Father happy about it. When people just attend and leave and don't get involved in what the Holy Spirit's doing in us and in them. My ladies and gentlemen, every single one of us has a gift to use. And by the way, we're higher than 20% in ministry uh, participation. We want to get as high to 100% as possible. Because that's the Lord's intention for each and every one of us. So number one, every single one of us has gifts. And two, we're all expected to use those gifts here in the home and outside of the home. Matthew 25, 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Lest you forget, one day we will all stand before God and give an account for the way we've used our time, talent, and treasure. And it's important to remember that the greatest joy that we can have in our lives is to walk in them, and that's what God wants to make in that first point. But the reality is we are expected to use them. I want us to note as we do so that our motivation is threefold because there are three rewards that he mentions here. Number one, as we use our talents for God in the kingdom and our time, talent, and treasure, what ends up happening is, one, we hear praise-filled approval from our Heavenly Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Some of you don't know what that sounds like from your parents. Oh, but one day... One day, you will hear as we walk into our time and talents and treasure, our Heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you. You're faithful with this. I'll give you more. Right? It's beautiful to hear the words. I'm that person who's, you know, my love language is words of affirmation. When you guys say, hey, Gene, that was a great message, whatever it was. I, I walk on cloud nine for months. I do. I do. Don't think your words don't matter in this community. And you will hear God of the universe say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Secondly, what we see is more responsibility is entrusted. Verse 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. You see, the people, the servants, Jesus calls them, people who serve God in the kingdom, in the church, and outside, you know, will do so also later. We will do so in heaven later, and such people are not passive people, all right? To enter the kingdom through faith in Christ is to enter his workforce, and is to return to some sense of Eden, a to a pre-fall holiness where work was given to man as a divine gift 
not a curse. I'll put it this way. Do your kingdom work well now, and you'll be rewarded with more work now, and especially then in the future. And it's a work that will be without toil. Because that's what Eden was like. Doug O'Donnell puts it this way. Heavenly rewards are not beds of rest. They are posts of duty. Christ knows no idle life, not even in the kingdom of heaven. We'll be blessed with even more responsibility. And third, our third reward is the Lord's joy. Look what he says. Enter into the joy of your master. He does not say, enter into the joy of heaven. No, he says, enter into the joy of your master. Listen, Jesus will do whatever it takes, dear Christian, to get you through the gates of the kingdom and the final joy of the kingdom to that heavenly messianic feast with our joyous bridegroom. And sometimes he will use fear, as we see at the end of the parable. And sometimes he will use, right here, a motive of great reward to motivate you. He will do what it takes. But as we enter into his presence one day, we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful now. Here's even more to do for, for my glory and for your joy, and your joy will be everlasting. You see, at that time, everything that's wrong with the world will be made right. Every frustration you're feeling right now, and all the, the garbage that we're seeing in our world right now will be made right. Oh, we look forward to that day. And those rewards. So, if the church is a family, and it is, how does personal responsibility affect relationship within the family? For a family, to be a family, family members take responsibilities, right? Jobs have to be done. Chores have to be offered. Respect has to be offered. So the question then becomes, in the Christchurch family, in what ways are you contributing to the health and functionality of it? Randy Pope, pastor of Perimeter Church, says there's three kinds of people in the church. There's the leaders, those both ordained and lay, who equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's our vestry and our equipping ministry team. We, some gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and shepherds to do the work to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so then you have the membership who are the front line. You guys are on the front lines. We equip you using the armor of God to go out and do that ministry inside and outside the church. And then there's the attenders who warm a seat and not much beyond that. Now, before I say anything beyond that, for th there are some people who are attending, and that's all they can do. I mean, Alice Throop is 107. It's not like I'm going to go to Alice and say, Gee, Sunday school, Alice, buck up. All right? All right? That's not what I'm saying here. There are some of you who are getting frail, and you're tired, and you have walkers, and you henceforth are on my prayer team because you are the knees of this congregation. And I ask you to join with me 
in addition to our intercessors of, of Lucy and Linda and our intercessory team, to pray for Christ Church in very intentional ways. But there are also some attenders who are so busy at work and, and life is a little overwhelming with their, busy, with their business and what have you. I get it. But I do think there's a portion of attenders who really just need to reprioritize their lives. Who need to look at their life and the way their time is and in their ministry and jump in and meet some of the needs that, are going, that we're running short with here at Christ Church. We have them. And the reality is, you know, we look at our membership covenant and we teach this through membership matters and churches who walk into that covenant, which is a higher standard of Christian living, quite frankly. It's a biblical standard. They're the most healthy churches and they continue to grow. Why? Because people are so contagious with the faith of Jesus. You know, you might think you're too old. Minnie Hutchison was in her mid-80s at Truro Church, and every Friday night at our prayer and praise service, she ran our kids' ministry. With 80 to 100 kids, every single week, she taught and shepherded all these kids until the day she drew her last breath. Don't think you can't be used mightily of God no matter where you are right now. Don't buy in to Satan's lies. You are gifted like no one else in this kingdom. So let us step back. Number one, we trust Jesus Christ alone, as we said last week when the bishop was here. And therefore, we look at the way we use our time. Lord, how can I use my time unto you? Just working with my discipleship to start with, right? My reading of the scripture, my prayer time, and then my serving here and wherever I go in the community where I live and work and play. We're going into that season where we know we can outreach to our neighbors in a very impactful way. So we invest in our neighbors. We invite them to, to go deeper in the things of God and introduce them to Christ, either here or just simply by inviting them to Christmas Eve. It's right around the corner. But having said all that, here are some practical ways you can get involved if you're one of those attenders now. You know, these chairs didn't set themselves up by themselves. All right? There's a setup crew of faithful people, and it's a small crew who come every Saturday morning to set up the chairs, set up the signs, make sure Kid Cat's ready to go downstairs. That, that doesn't take any spiritual gift, by the way. That just takes muscle, all right? Any meathead can do that, all right? So come on. If you're, not, if you're just attending, you can do that, all right? Consider that. Talk to Bob Middlemiss, Rich Kurak, our junior wardens. They'd love to talk to you. If you weren't aware of it since we've moved here, our senior warden, Jeff Davis, has been making us coffee every week. And when he wasn't here, Rich Kurak, one of our junior wardens, has been making coffee. We want to reignite it. For years, Lucy set up the coffee hosts. We're going to start that again. But it's, it's, it's a lot. You've got to do a lot, you know, because we, we have coffee for three services. But pray about that. If you love to be, you have the gift of hospitality, once a quarter, 
make coffee for us. It's a wonderful ministry that makes this place a home. Talk to Jeff Davis if you're interested in that. Maybe you're one of those outgoing, extroverted, friendly people, and you can talk the, the, the wallpaper off a wall. You'd be a great greeter. We need more greeters. One of the main things people notice is intentional greeting as people are coming in the church. If that's you, talk to Chris Hund. Maybe you're an introvert, but you like being here, you want to serve. Can you hand out bulletins and say, good morning, good morning. Help people find a seat if it gets crowded. That's what the ushers do. We need more ushers. Altar Guild. This, this table does not get set up by itself. It's a faithful group of ladies who labor. We have one Altar Guild team with only three people on it. Uh, please consider that. If you like working behind the scenes, working with holy things, they, it, they do a great job and they got a great structure. If you're interested at all in that, see Dottie Reichenbach, who represents the 93011, uh, Leslie Croyle of the 8 o'clock service. That's not all we need. We do need, we do need people in the children's ministry, by the way. You know, I don't have to read Fox's Book of Martyrs, but some of you are gifted teachers and are attending. Please consider uh, helping out at KidCat or just holding a baby in the nursery. Talk to Kimmy about either of those needs or, or Sarah downstairs. And our ministry at Christ Church is not just on Sunday mornings, although you know, we are also looking at bolstering our prayer team. We'd love to offer after the service a prayer ministry. If you've got something that's heavy on your heart, a team of people who will pray with you after the service over here by the steps. Because we believe when God's people pray, God moves. Because we've all seen it. If that's your heart, please let me know or Bob about that. We also have vestry openings. If you have management skills, you know, you have a, you're a big picture person. And you can read a spreadsheet. You have some business acumen. Please consider that. We've got some wonderful candidates coming forward. We're excited about this new class coming in, but we still have some openings. Please consider that. Uh, maybe you're really good at turning a screw or changing a light bulb. You really enjoy that. Well, the Junior Wardens team, we want to build that up as this space becomes ours. Talk to Bob Middlemas, Rich Kurak about that. Or how about just being part of the missional community on Sunday nights in the Avon Lake group? We focused on marriage and singleness throughout this fall. But what we're doing is forming a missional community to be a blessing to Avon Lake and Bay and beyond. We want to keep that ministry growing, you just love to be a person on mission and see people come to faith in Christ. Well, that's what we're, we're working and we're praying for as we grow in Christ together. But it's a wonderful missional community. So dear friends, there it is. Each and every one of us have gifts and each and every one of us are called to use them. And so we're going to Take a few moments here in a few minutes and fill out our pledge cards. Now, if you're visiting with us or if you're a non-member, this isn't for you yet. We hope you consider joining us. But if, you've, you're, if you're making this place your home, I would encourage you, even if you're not a member yet, to consider your giving to us. Um, but if you are a member, definitely we're going to give our lives and we're going to focus now on our pledge for 2018 financially. If you take out your card here, you, you see all the calculations there. 
And it's okay if you and your spouse haven't spoken about it yet. Just you can write, I will pledge, you know, because this launches stewardship. It doesn't finalize stewardship because we have to the December 11th vestry meeting to take in these pledges. But if you are uh, a member or considering being a member, seriously, please consider this. Write down your name and all the information there and write down what you plan to give. And a couple of thoughts about that. Number one, about stewardship. When it comes to the tithe, uh, you know that that is the biblical standard. But the New Covenant is is pretty clear that there are some who the 10% of the gross of the tithe is absolutely unattainable. I don't see your tithes. I don't see numbers. All I see is the big picture number. All right? And so I'm grateful for every single one of you even considering it. So please consider it. But the reality is, for some of you, that tithe is is way too much. I would encourage you to take a step and put God to the test, as it says in Malachi, and go up 1% this year. 1%. Trust the Lord. For though there are some also who that tithe is, is too little. God has blessed them so immensely. To give 10% is not even sacrificial. See, our giving should be sacrificial. We ought to feel it as we give. So therefore, I encourage you to do so. And this year, a new uh, component of our giving is through our Realm Communication Hub, you'll be able to give online. If you registered your Realm account... You can give right through Realm, but please know that when you do so, we play a 4% charge on that, so factor that into the giving. We have some members who just direct their bank. They don't want want to be hassled with a check. They want to make sure it goes. They just direct their bank to send a check. You can do that as well. But for for me and Kim, we we find putting something in that offering plate, there's something about putting in the offering plate each and every time we give that's very, very special. And so whatever it is, I want to close with this. Put God to the test. Trust him, the Lord said to Malachi. And see if I will not pour out blessing that's overflowing in your storehouse. Now this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. But the point of the passage is put God to the test in your time, in your talent, in your treasure. And watch what the Lord does in each and every three of us. And as we do this together, it'll be powerful. In closing, Johnny Erickson Tata, in a wonderful devotion yesterday, shared of a story of a church in England. And it's a, a, a church that had been built recently, and it has no lights in the sanctuary. At all. Because every family... Many people who visit the church are shocked that the architect left out the lights, but the architect was making a point, and the church thought it was wonderful because the architect had a plan that the various families that attend the church are given their own pew as well as their own lamp. And as they come into the church, they're given a lamp and a prayer book. And they come in, and their lamp is lit, and their pew is brightened. What difference can one darkened pew make? Not much, you might think. But what if several pews are lacking the lamps? Then the whole church is affected, and so the point is obvious. If all are present in their pews, 
the church becomes alive with light. And it's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, is it not? That if every single one of us use our gifts of time, our talent, and our treasure, then the whole body will be lit up. And it won't be a flicker. It'll be a lighthouse for this community as each and every one of us will be blessed with the presence of Christ in our lives. So my friends, we're going to have our in-gathering ceremony here in a second. We're going to take this harvest basket, and I'm going to put it on the floor. And Brian's going to, to play some music for us, and then I'm going to have the ushers come forward and release us just like we do for communion. I encourage you to come up as families and just write down your, your giving for 2018 and, and place it in the basket and then go back to your seats. And at the end, we're all going to sing the doxology again together. And as we do so, we pray God will be glorified as we labor together using all our lives as his stewards. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us together in the body of Christ here at Christ Church. And as we offer our pledges for 2018, may we put you to the test. May we see you like never before. And may you be glorified in our midst as we be faithful to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.